want to start our time uh, in this portion of the experience by reading part of the story of Christmas. You know, we hear a lot about it, and maybe we rehearse it. We see the nativity scene. We hear the story kind of as rhetoric. But I don't know if you've ever really taken a second to peer into Scripture and kind of take, you know, an observation, a moment to observe from your own perspective what kind of it was all about. If you have your Bibles, you can look. Uh, if you don't, you can just listen. I'm going to uh, read from the book of Luke, chapter 1 verse 26 out of the uh, English Standard Version. It says this in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed or engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name, as we know, was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. The response is interesting. The text says, But she was greatly troubled or afraid saying, uh, at, at the saying, and she tried to discern what sort of greeting that this might be. And the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you've found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, but how can this be, since, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. So Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to me. Let it be according to your word. The Bible says, And the angel departed from her. Matthew uh, chapter 1 tells, tells the story a little bit different in verse 18. Uh, it says this, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they had come together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying to him, Joseph, son of David, says the same thing. He says, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you should call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken to the prophet, saying this, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Luke chapter 2, it introduces some other characters that you're probably familiar with from your nativity scene. Verse 7, it says this, And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they too were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, swaddling clothes, and lying in a manger. I grew up here in Fresno, and when I was in junior high, uh, I lived right down the street from the junior high that I attended. So after I would be done with my school day, I would walk home. And, and you may not know this about me. We may not know each other very well. But uh, growing up, I, I had a lot of insecurities. And I could project uh, security, project like, um, like I was secure in myself. But, but I really wasn't uh, for a lot of different reasons, especially around people that were seemingly sure of themselves. And I remember one day after school, I was on my way walking home, and out in front of me, there was this group of guys that I was kind of intimidated by. They're the kind of guys that they would start a fight for no good reason. You just didn't want to mess with these kind of guys. And I ended up having to walk by these, these people, and I kept thinking to myself, I I just, I just, it was just one of those moments where I just, I don't want to do this, but I thought to myself, okay, just, 
you know, don't make eye contact, like look at the floor, like just keep moving, like everything's gonna be okay. And so that's exactly what I do. I, I, I kind of just look at the floor and I have to walk through these group of guys that, you know, are kind of intimidate to me. And as soon as I did, uh, it kind of grows quiet and gets a little bit awkward. And uh, God is my witness. Out of, out of nowhere, I feel the barrel of a gun get stuck right into my back. I, I, I panic. They, they start shouting at me, put your hands in the air! And they're yelling at me, and I'm, I'm freaking out. Like, I'm, I'm a junior high uh, kid. So I throw my hands in the air. I'm, I'm paralyzed. Like, I'm, I don't know if you have one of those moments where, like, instantaneous, like, you can't fight it. Like, you're, like, shaking. Like, you're emotionally overloaded. I'm thinking, my life's over. Like, right here, right now, this is the end. And, and I didn't know what to do, and it grew silent, a little bit awkward. And, and I'm sitting there thinking, like, what's going on? Like, what's going to happen? And uh, all of a sudden, you could tell they started kind of feeling bad, and they started laughing kind of nervous, nervously and started patting me on the back. They're like, dude, we're sorry. We're just messing around. It's just a water gun. I turned around, and I looked, and I had been held at gunpoint with a water gun and uh, felt a little bit silly. <laughs> but, but things are not always as they think, seem. Things in life are like this. Things aren't always as they seem, but it's interesting the response that we have to fear, right? Like in this moment, like I was convinced that my life was done, that my life was over. I was paralyzed. I was locked up. It's true for you in your life. You experience situations that are bigger than you that cause you to fear. Maybe it may be a financial crisis. Maybe it would be relational trauma. Maybe it be a bad diagnosis that you get from a doctor that causes you to be paralyzed. You've experienced these things in your life, and they causes you to be paralyzed. And when you're paralyzed, you don't see a future ahead. So you give up on the fact that maybe my marriage could be better. You give up on the fact that maybe my financial situation could be better. You give up on the fact that maybe my peace of mind, maybe I don't have to struggle with anxiety forever. Because of fear, because of what I experience, I become paralyzed. I, I give up on my future. I begin to settle for a life that I think was handed to me rather than push for a life that I could have, the possibilities of what could be. Because I'm, if I'm honest, I'm, I'm afraid. And fear is interesting because fear, here, here's the purpose of fear. It wants to make you feel alone. Like nobody understands you. Like nobody really knows what I'm going through. Am I the only one who has ever felt misunderstood in life? Who has ever felt, who's ever looked around and thought, I'm not like any of these people. Many of you may feel this way today. Being in church may have thought to yourself, having to go to church made your mom made you come, your sister, your cousin, you got invited by a friend. Thought, I don't want to have to go to church. I have nothing in common with these people. Like, they don't really understand me. They don't, they don't know me. Everybody smiles. We put on a good face. Like, our lives are all together. But, but I'm nothing like these people. I think when we peer into ancient uh, narratives of Scripture and we look and we read about these larger-than-life characters, I think we have the same mentality. That's cool and all. Like, it's cool that God can do some really incredible things in the Bible, but, but I'm nothing like those people. I think we think that we don't have anything in common with these scriptures, these people that we read about through the context of, of scriptures through the, through the Bible. And yet, when you stop and actually think about it, I want you to think about this this morning. Because I think you actually have more in common with each other. I think you have more in common with the characters in the Bible than you actually think. Did you know that Abraham in the Bible, you may have heard of him, it's the one through which this lineage that we would be able to, to celebrate the birth of Christ even today, the person that God chose, Abraham. Abraham was a moon worshiper, meaning that he probably wouldn't be here in this Christian gathering today. He probably wouldn't be in, in you know, a cohesive streamline of, of corporate thought where, yeah, we all are kind of on the bandwagon as to what we believe or what we think. He's, he's kind of a guy who's kind of off the radar, and yet God chooses him. When you read throughout the story of the nativity and you think about Mary and Joseph and and you think about the wise men, you think, well, I'm certainly not as good as them. There's no way that God would choose me to do something great like that. I don't have anything in common with these people, but I actually think you have more in common with them than you actually think. Could you imagine just for a second this morning with me what it would be like to be Mary? 
I mean, we put them on a, on a pedestal like she's chosen to have God's baby, but could you imagine what it would be like to be her, the emotions that she's feeling as she's at this point of her life that every girl probably dreams to be, to think that she's found the love of her life, she's going to get married, things are going good, the relationships are, is, is going good, she loves somebody, he loves her back, she's planning, and all of a sudden she experiences this interruption, this angelic host appears to her and she says, and says unto her, Mary, you're favored, you found favor with God, who, me? What am I deserving to find favor with God? And what does this mean? What actually means that you're going to have God's baby. What? I'm going to have God's baby. Well, who's going to be the daddy? God's going to be the daddy. Are you kidding me? Like, could you imagine the emotions? No, 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 no. Please, please, no. Like, what am I going to have? Could you imagine as she has to go and tell Joseph, hey, Joseph, I'm pregnant, um, and, and God's the baby's father. Could you, could you imagine the emotions that she would have to feel? Mary is encountering one of these moments that I think each and every one of us have encountered in life where we experience something that doesn't make sense. There is nothing that will paralyze you in life and make you feel afraid like things that don't make sense. Isn't this why most people turn their back on religion and God and faith? Because I just can't contextualize them. I can't fit them in my box. I don't understand how is there a God that has always been and that always will be when I only understand a start and a beginning. I can't, I can't understand it because it doesn't make sense. And because it doesn't make sense, I'm afraid of it. Have you ever been in a situation where you sat there and scratched your head? This doesn't make sense that this is happening to me. This doesn't make sense that I'm facing this situation. This doesn't make sense that my family is going through this. Why me? Why me? Why me? And we experience fear. We become paralyzed, probably like Mary was tempted to do, experiencing shame. Not just what I think about my situation, but what are people going to think? Could you imagine if she walked around and walked the, the streets of that town and people begin to look at her and, oh, yeah, God's the, God's the baby's daddy, right? Like, could you imagine the shame that she would experience as the, judge, the, the, the judging eyes were coming from people around her? Nobody understood what she was going through. I think you know what that feels like. I think that you know what it's like to experience shame for your bad decisions, to experience shame for things that were done to you as a child that you had no control over, yet you live with this and you think to yourself, how could there be a God? I'm just paralyzed in fear because of what doesn't make sense. And yet the first thing that the angel says to Mary, Mary, don't be afraid for I am with you in the season of your life where you feel like things do not make sense. I'm here to tell somebody this morning to not be afraid because things are not always as they seem. And it may not seem like God is with you. It may seem like he is afar off, but in the middle of your shame and in the middle of the situations that you're facing that don't make sense, don't be afraid. He's with you. Things are not always as they seem. Could you imagine what it would have been like to be Joseph? Funny thing about Joseph is Joseph was a good man. Joseph was a guy who lived by the book. In fact, when he finds out, I mean, imagine being Joseph. Guys, imagine your fiance coming, imagine your fiance coming to you and telling you that she is pregnant, but it's not your baby, and God's the daddy. Like, most of you would be like, excuse me, right? Like, you would have some things to say to this woman, right? Like, you would have some things to say in response to her. But the Bible says that Joseph is such a good guy, he doesn't even want to shame her or disgrace her. So he, he, he wants to, he, Joseph is the kind of guy who does the right thing all the time. So much so that he thinks to himself, I'm just going to divorce her quietly so she can go on, hopefully have a future. I don't want to disrespect, disrespect her. But I can only imagine what Joseph is feeling through the situation. Not just doesn't make sense. I think it's one of those situations where this isn't fair. 
You ever been in a situation where it just doesn't feel like when you're doing the right thing and the wrong thing happens? Am I the only one who's ever experienced that? It seems like I've tried this God stuff. I've tried to trust God. I've tried to put other people first. I've tried to put God first. I've tried to do the right thing. And sometimes in life when I do the right thing, I find the wrong thing happening. If I'm honest with you, it causes me to be paralyzed. It causes me to be fearful, to not want to move forward. It really leads me to probably the place that Joseph could have been led to to be suspicious of everybody. If I can't trust Mary, my God, who can I trust? Anybody ever been betrayed in this place where you felt alone, where you felt isolated, where you felt fearful because the person that you should have been able to count on and depend on, that was the person that did you wrong, that was the person that burnt you, that was the person that turned their back on you. And yet, to Joseph, the angelic host comes to him and he says to Joseph, in the midst of your life when you feel like life isn't fair and you want to be paralyzed and you want to be suspicious of everybody around you, here's what I say to you, Joseph. Don't be afraid because in the place of suspicion, in the place where it seems like things aren't fair, I'm actually with you. Things aren't always as they seem. I'm here to remind somebody, even though it may not feel like God is with you in your current state where you have trust issues because of what you've been through, maybe he's closer than you think. Could you imagine with me what it would be like to be the wise men? I mean, these are guys who have kind of stacked their chips, right? Life is pretty good. The Bible says they're just out in the middle of the field minding their own business. Maybe some of you here can relate to that. You've built incredible businesses. Maybe your kids are out of the house. Maybe you've raised a great family. And you look at your life and you say, wow, it's, it's pretty good. Minding their own business with stability and security. And it seems like things are on the proper trajectory. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, here comes God. Stopping these wise men and telling, hey, my son has come to earth and I need you to stop what you're doing. I know you're in a place of convenience, but I need you to stop and I need you to follow the star because Jesus is here and he needs things for the journey. Could you imagine what this is feel, feel, feels like to, to encounter a situation where life isn't going according to plan? I think we know what that feels like. Has anybody ever looked at your life when you look? I thought I'd be a whole lot further along by now. Right? This, it's, it's, not, it's not going according to plan. Maybe you're here today and you have been at a place of stability and security, but you have this longing on the inside of your heart. You don't know where it comes from, that there's more for me. There's more for my family. There's more for my marriage. There's more for my relationship. There's more for my finances. This longing on the inside to keep moving. I'm talking about when life doesn't go according to plan. The thing about the plan is interesting because the plan doesn't stop for anybody. So what happens when things don't go according to plan in our life, what happens? We gotta keep moving. We gotta smile and act like everything is okay, like we're happy. This is the times in life where you can feel surrounded, but if you're honest, you feel so, so, so alone. I think you know what it's like to feel this way. When life doesn't go according to plan, you gotta smile through it, you gotta show up to church with your friends and family members, Merry Christmas, oh, happy holidays. Acting like life is good and that you have everything together, when in reality, many of us in this room are dying on the inside. You see, the advantage that these wise men had that the other people didn't have is their experience they had together. You can't tell me that one of those wise men, at the end of that angelic host visitation, when the angel disappeared and everybody started gathering the thing, you can't tell me that one of those wise men wasn't thinking, are you guys sure we're supposed to be doing this? Like, are you sure we're supposed to leave our security and our livelihood to go after a star, bro? Right? To be in this position surrounded, but so, so, so alone. But even when you feel alone, even when nobody understands you, even when life doesn't go according to plan, the same thing the angel said to Mary was the same thing that the angel said to Joseph, which is the same thing that the angel said to the wise men. Man, when it doesn't make sense, when life doesn't make sense, when, when life doesn't seem fair, how could I believe in a God when, when life doesn't seem fair, when life doesn't go 
according to plan. Fear not, for I am with you. I'm with you where? I'm, I'm with you right in the middle of times in your life that you can't understand where you feel shame. I'm right in the middle of your life where you feel suspicious about everybody and you don't know who to trust. I'm with you. I'm right there in your life when life hasn't gone according to plan and everybody thinks that you're happy but you feel so alone. This is the meaning of Christmas, that God so loved the world that he sent his son and you know what his name would be called? His name would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. I don't believe for a second that we serve a God who is up in heaven watching you. I don't believe that God sits up in heaven watching over you. I don't believe that God is watching you. I believe that God is with you. And every move you make, he makes. Every tear you cry, he's right by your side. Not a tear that you have cried. Not a pain that you have felt have you felt alone. He's been with you. Things aren't always as they seem, and a lot of times in life we can't understand it because of what we're going through. But the promise of Christmas, the message of Jesus is not just a religious message that we could create another religion. No, is that you would know that life doesn't have to stay the same. You don't have to be a victim to circumstance because you're not doing this life on your own. And I dare somebody here today to square your shoulders, to lift your head a little bit taller, to have the courage to believe in somebody bigger than you. You didn't sign up to come here. He chose you to put you here. And if he chose you to put you here then there's a reason and he's with you you may think but what if you don't know my story you don't know what I've been through you don't know what I've done you don't know the bad decisions that I made my Bible says if I'm on the mountaintops you know what God you're there but then it goes on and it says this but if I make my bed in hell you're there too I don't know where you find yourself maybe you find yourself on the mountaintop maybe you find yourself Nick I've made my bed in hell and I'm here to tell you that God is with you if you make your bed in hell i'm there i have a friend and his name's tony and tony grew up uh bad part of town ended up ended up getting involved with some guys that were uh, drug addicts ended up doing drugs at a very young age got on heroin became an addict and uh, he started selling drugs eventually got in trouble with the law was taken off to prison and while he's in prison he uh he meets this guy who reads the bible and uh for whatever reason, he's drawn to this guy. Like, he's connected to this guy. And so he starts asking this guy, can I read the Bible with you? And so he ends up getting this guy convinced to let him read Scripture with him. And as he begins to read the Bible, he begins to understand some of this, what we're talking about today, that God is actually for him. God's not mad and angry and sitting up in heaven trying to, to get him to do things his way. He's actually trying to empower him, to give him the tools and the resources to rive above victim mentality, actually be somebody in life, that God was actually with him. And he started to believe it. But the problem was he was in a hell-like situation. He was in prison. What can I do from prison? So he began to think, man, I can't do the things that I want to do. He had these dreams, these extravagant dreams. He says, so what I'll do is I'll start with the little things. And if I can be faithful with the little things, as he learned in Scripture, he just chose to believe that God would somehow give him much. And so he called these things microprocesses. And basically what it was is that every morning he would get up and he would make his bed. He would brush his teeth, do things that many, many of us probably take uh, for granted, but he would do it out of a habit, thinking if I can just be faithful to do these little things every single day, then somehow, some way, I'm going to rise, rise above these situations. He set goals for himself, and they were big goals. He thought to himself, "When I get out of prison, you know what I want to do? I want to be a professional athlete. Number one. Number two, I want to start a nonprofit for kids. Number three, I want to become a motivational public speaker. And number four, I want to somehow, some way, find a way to go to the Olympics." So he ended up finishing his term in prison, and when he got out, he started telling people about his dreams. All the while, getting up every morning, making his bed, doing the things that he knew to do to trust that God would do something great in his life. People laughed at him. There's no way. Come on, dude. You, you, 
you're somebody who's been, in, there's no way that you're gonna, you're gonna be like every sing, single person that has ever gotten out of prison. You're, you're not gonna amount to anything. Within six months, he raced his first professional athlete race as a BMX rider. In the first year, he started a nonprofit for kids. He became a motivational speaker. In fact, just this last year, he covered nearly 300 dates, which is absolutely incredible. He had one thing left on his list. He had left one thing left on his list, and it was that he would somehow go to the Olympics. Well, in the midst of his racing career, as he was racing professionally BMX, he got injured. And so it seemed like a lost cause. So, but he thought to himself, I, I'm, gonna do, I'm gonna do the thing that got me. I'm gonna keep doing the things that I know to do, making my bed, making my bed, making my bed, getting up, doing the things, and trust that God will somehow make a way for my dreams to come to pass. And so he just kept doing the same things that he knew, get up, make his bed, get up, make his bed. And, and one day he gets a phone call from one of the girls that he had been training in BMX racing. She got a call to go to the Olympics. She called him and asked him to come along and be her coach. He got to do number four, go to the Olympics. What am I saying to you today? The Bible says, wherever you're at, he's with you. If you make your bed in hell, he's there. Maybe you've made some bad decisions. And you're like, Nick, I found myself in this situation. I have made my bed in hell. To you, I say he's there. And some of you, others of you in this place, you find yourself in a hellish situation, you find yourself in hell, but you're just continuing to make your bed, to do the things that you know to do, to be a good mom, to be a good dad, to get up and go to work, to get a paycheck, to come home, to provide food for your family. And to you, I say that God is with you. There's good news for you today. You're not doing this life alone. And if he's with you, you're not gonna stay there forever. You have hope. You have hope because Emmanuel has come. God with us. Are you hearing me this morning? I said he's with you. He's with you. But I feel so alone. I know you do. The risk of being a bit philosophical this morning, I, I want you to think about the fact that the fact that you feel alone is actually the greatest indicator that you're not alone. What am, what am I talking about? When we talk about aloneness in our world, in our, in our society, it, it's not a reality, it's an emotion. I feel, I feel so alone. You look, you're not alone, folks. Like, look around. There's a lot of people. You're not literally alone. You feel alone. And the fact that you feel alone is the greatest indicator that you're not alone. You know why? Because the reason that you feel alone is because you feel like there's something bigger than you that is causing you to be out of control of your life, which means there is something bigger than you, which is actually the greatest news available to you because it means you get to decide what you believe about that something, what you believe about that someone. This is the message of Christmas. God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whosoever would believe in him, they would not perish, but they'd have everlasting life. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads and pray with me all across this room? I want to give you an opportunity today to place your faith in something bigger than yourself. We believe that something is a someone. We believe his name is Jesus. It is, he is Emmanuel, God with us. He enables you to live beyond the status quo of life. If there's one thing that I've learned about life is that it stops from knowing, that it keeps going. And I know you may be in a dark, desperate situation, but you're not gonna stay there. Life's gonna keep moving. Do you have your faith in the right place to believe? To believe what? That maybe, maybe God isn't the person that you've been taught he was, or maybe your emotions or your feelings or your guilt or your shame try to teach you that he is. Maybe he is with you in every moment of your life through the hurt through the pain through the disappointment through the things that don't make sense through the shame times in life when it doesn't seem fair the times in life where you feel like nobody gets you when you're alone and you're isolated i'm here to tell you maybe he's with you can you make the choice today to believe can you think about it 
Just think about the fact you didn't make it this far on your own. You don't, you don't have your head barely above water just in your own human strength. It's by God's grace and God's grace alone. I think sometimes in life, this aloneness that we feel is actually pushing us to cling to something greater than ourselves rather than question it because we don't understand it. The Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We believe we spend eternity somewhere, heaven or hell. We believe it's that simple. When I place my faith in Jesus, my eternity is secured forever in heaven. I want to give you an opportunity to place your faith in Jesus. You don't have to understand it. That's why it's faith. I'm choosing to believe it. I'm going to ask everybody to pray this prayer out loud. And I'm going to ask you to mean it with all of your heart. We're a family, so nobody's going to pray alone. Can we say this out loud? Let's mean this today. Say, Jesus, today, I believe in my heart. I say out of my mouth. You are the Son of God. I believe that you live for me. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you came back from the dead for me. Today I call you my Savior, and I make you my Lord. Would you say this with me? Say, say, Jesus. Now I want you to stop. I want you to think about it. I want you to think, think, think about this, and I want you to say it with all of your heart. Say, Jesus, help me to live the life that you made me to live. Come on, think about that. What if there was a life that was greater than the life that you're living? What if there really was a purpose that you were put on the face of the planet? What if it wasn't just all routine? What if it wasn't all just by accident? Let's say it again. Say, Jesus, would you help me to live the life that you made me to live? In Jesus' name. Everybody said this morning, amen. Can we put our hands together and celebrate with those that made that decision today? Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to salvationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus.